0: The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. All right, so we continue with our Every January series, Back to Basics. Incredible opportunity for us to revisit and to deepen in our understanding of our life-transforming principles. Now, once in a while, I like to share in this series some of the things that we are not. Because sometimes that helps clarify more fully that which we really are. So, first of all, we are not a traditional religion. We are what's called a new thought uh, church or a new thought center uh, or a metaphysical teaching, call it what you will. I sometimes think of us as the unchurch church. (laughs) Uh, And we seek to draw the very best from science, philosophy, and religion. And for us, science is not an enemy. That science and spirituality are actually going in the same direction to seek that underlying intelligence and love at the heart of it all. Now, we are not Christian science. We are not Scientology. Nor are we what has been derogatorily termed as a cult. Um, We uh, do not seek to control lives. We seek to free lives and free people to do that which is their highest calling. And what most of us who are leaders in this teaching know is that the people we attract, there's no controlling you, folks. Uh, You're an uncontrollable bunch, so why even try? But that's a very good thing, a very good thing. And we don't seek to proselytize or evangelize or convert or other, in any other way, seek to control people. And yet more and more people are magnetized to this kind of teaching. Now, we don't proclaim that we're the only way. Uh, We believe that there are many paths to the divine, and there's no one way to experience the presence and the love of the ultimate spiritual life. The science of mind and spirit is also not the special revelation of any single individual. Instead, it is the culmination of the many great revelations of truth. And in our teaching, we do not worship our founder. Dr. Ernest Holmes, our founder, did his work in the early 1900s, up until about 1960, and he sought to uh, clarify that golden cord of universal truth flowing through all of the faiths and give us practices by which we could enrich our lives. Now, the Science of Mind is also not a religion with a hierarchy of priests. We do have ministers and spiritual leaders, uh, both men and women, And in fact, we have um, equal numbers of men and women. In fact, lately I'm told that the women are outpacing in their leadership. And in fact, women have been instrumental in the launching of New Thought movements. So we value the masculine and the feminine uh, energetics in our teaching. Um, But we ministers are on the same path of growth and unfoldment. We don't put ourselves up on a pedestal. Uh, We're still learning and practicing this teaching just like you. Uh, And uh, so we are not... To be worshiped uh, and idolized. Um, Pampered and adored, maybe, but not worshiped. Now, we do not believe that the power that we call God is separate, or that that power is constantly judging us, or has made us originally and inherently flawed and evil. We believe that we are all not original sinners, but original blessings. And we don't believe that we have to die to experience the divine or to experience heaven. For as the great teacher said, the kingdom of God is within you. Now this teaching does not discriminate against or judge others. We do not judge or exclude people on the basis of culture or ethnicity or background or relational orientations or gender expression. All are welcome because we understand that all are spirit. And bottom line, we believe that every soul, every one of us, as a spiritual being is on an eternal and glorious journey of revealing ever more of our spiritual magnificence. And that's our teaching. That's what we are not. So uh, so far, we started out on our first topic... Uh, with the thing itself, which was Ernest's name for that which is unnameable, that infinite life, that divine intelligence and love, which we know to be all that there is, and that all of creation unfolds out of that one life, that one intelligence, that one love. And thus, since we're creations of it, your life is inherently spiritual. You are an expression of the divine spirit, given unique expression, and you're here to reveal some aspect of that divine life. Thus, you are a spiritual being. Last week, we talked about the way it works, and it works by means of a creative process in this universe. Throughout this universe, we have discerned that there is a law by which the invisible is becoming the visible, where the non-material shows up as the material. So ultimately, what we have realized is thought or idea, intelligence and action, is the starting point for all creation. Thought becomes things. In our life, our consciousness becomes form and experience, for it is done unto us as we believe. Uh, I love the story of the three baseball umpires who were gathered together for a lunch, and during one of them, the, lun- the one umpire said, "'There are balls and there are strikes, but I calls them as I see them.'" And they all thought about it, and the second one said, "'Well, there are balls and there are strikes.'" but I calls them as they are. And then the third gentleman kind of chuckled, and I think he was a metaphysician in hiding. He said, well, gentlemen, there are balls and there are strikes, but they ain't nothing till I calls them. Yeah. And so it is that as we call it in our life, as we declare it, as we express and agree upon our intention and then embody it with believing and feeling and action we become the living embodiment of our dreams and a power greater than we are moves it forth into our highest and best and and then as i said last sunday out of the blue good stuff starts showing up in our life the blue meaning believing that life uplifts everything believing that life uplifts every one of us and i do indeed love the blue Uh, So I tell you what, we are challenging ourselves early in this year to move from being quasi-metaphysicians to quantum metaphysicians. And I call us out. Again, I declare that I call us out of doubting and fear i call us out of alibis and excuses i call us to step out of hesitancy and holding back to step out of pessimism and skepticism and to step out of gossiping and 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 pettiness because our lives are too valuable and our power is too great i call us to step into our greater yet to be by fulfilling the truth of our being And so that then leads us today to our third topic, and that is what it does. These topic titles being the titles of the four introductory chapters of Dr. Holmes' classic work, The Science of Mind, what it does. And I first want to pay homage to one of America's greatest current era poets who died, who passed over this past Thursday, Mary Oliver, Uh, such a sensational poet. Uh, She absolutely was in love with life and nature In particular, she wrote one little ditty simply called Instructions for Living a Life. Pay attention. Be astonished. Tell about it. And I think what earned her even more success than anything was the poem she wrote in 1992 called The Summer Day. And it's beautiful. I won't read the whole thing. But her concluding line is so compelling. And so she wrote, tell me. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life this new year? What the science of mind and spirit does, it opens us to the unlimited possibilities of our wild and precious lives. It opens us to our unlimited possibilities. And we've seen so many people manifest that over the years as they've really lived this teaching. So some keys uh, for this can, can help us uh, <clears throat> understand this. First of all, the science of mind and spirit uh, gives us such a wonderful gift of spiritual common sense. And it's so refreshing. And so we kind of dissolve uh, worn out dogma and haunting superstitions for a clearer truth that can work in our lives. Ernest Holmes wrote, Practically the whole race is hypnotized, thinking whatever it's told to think. We are so bound by suggestion and hypnotized by false belief, so entangled by the chaotic thinking of the world, that we become confused and are not ourselves. Wake up, he writes. Too long have we listened to people. Now our own soul shall speak in a language that is unmistakable. See, this teaching gives us the tools to accomplish that. It gives us the spiritual understanding and the tools to realize who we really are. And, and it makes sense. It doesn't insult our intellect there's nothing in our stuff that says you have to park your your brain with your car out there but no bring it in and think about this stuff and emerson put it well too when we have broken from our god of tradition and ceased from our god of rhetoric then may god fire our hearts with his presence spiritual common sense and the second thing uh, this teaching provides us with tools and techniques Yes, it is a deep and rich spiritual path, rich and powerful. We can deepen in it forever, and it doesn't stop there. It gives us the tools to experience this truth, and also then to reinvent our lives. And so, very much so, this teaching is scientific, in that it suggests that there are principles that we can put to work, and most important among the tools that we're given is affirmative prayer, and we're going to dive into that next Sunday. Uh, and, but it's very scientific. And, and this teaching says, learn this stuff, then test it, and prove it to yourself. Because by your own results, you shall know. And again, our founder wrote, what the world needs is spiritual conviction followed by spiritual experience. I would rather see students of this science prove its principle than to have them repeat all the words of wisdom that have ever been uttered. So that's where the rubber meets the road using this stuff. And that again is why I invite you to the great glory and power of these classes. Uh, They're so enriching. You learn it at the deepest of levels. You do work and experiences that take you deeper. And you begin to unearth and release a lot of the old things that have held you back. And, and you go forward in a new way. And so please don't miss this opportunity to make this uh, an energizing of your new year and the rest of your life. The third key that I think is such good news, God is for us, never against us. The universe is for you, never against you. We absolutely know that it could never be the will of God that we should suffer or stay stuck in lack and limitation or mediocrity. And we absolutely deny that it would ever be the capacity of this infinite and eternal love to test us, to send us trouble just to see how we do in it. We deny that. We disagree with that totally. You see, as an expression of God, a child of the divine, the will of God could only be that you come forth and fulfill the divine idea at the center of your soul. The will of the divine would only be that you become the expression of the love that it is and that your life become ever more beautiful and more fulfilled and that you become a radiant expression of light doing good in this world. How could the will of the divine that has created any of us be other than that? And yet the thing is, we can block so much of what the divine is trying to give us. We hold that we are in an ocean of abundance because we are one with the divine life. All of its ideas, all of its opportunities, its inspiration is right where you and I are right now. Every moment of our life, no matter what we face, we are within the abundant givingness of the divine, and yet we have concocted so many strategies to block it from being able to express in our life. And yet the truth is, we live, move, and have our being in this divine givingness. I think this troubled Jesus in his teaching, and so he, he offered a parable about a farmer planting seeds. Behold, a sower went out to sow... And as he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air devoured it. That's a symbol of the one life, the universal giver of all ideas and opportunities and inspiration, all love, giving its gifts. And yet we're so distracted, our minds are so closed that we can't receive them. They fall by the wayside, and they don't show up in our lives. We're not available. And he goes on to say, and some fell on stony ground where it didn't have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it didn't have much depth of earth. Oh yeah, we get an idea maybe, or a dream, and we get all excited, but we don't bring it depth. We don't go to the depths of conviction uh, and of commitment. And then he, he says, and so when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root and it withered away. And so, yeah, we, we have our dream and we may go forth with it, but then the first challenge that comes along, since we don't have the depth or don't have the commitment, we give up on it, and that giving this that opportunity can't come forth. And then some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Well, indeed, we can dream something, we can plan it, even begin it, but how often it is that we then return to the old ways of thinking and being, And we let the old naysaying ideas around us, but mostly within us, come up like thorns to choke off the dream, to choke off the new intention. The old ideas, the old self-pity, the old excuses and alibis, and all of the things come up and, and the new possibility begun as an idea in our hearts falls away. Then he said, but the other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, some 100-fold. So it's all about, we've got to get available. we got to deepen with it. And we've got to make sure that we weed the garden so the thorns don't choke off our good. Because so much is given to you and me. So I want to offer today, um, this week's I Am empowerment practices i am being the soul of you the truth of you the spirit of you and this week i am means imagining accepting and magnetizing that's what we need to do to create the good soil for the inspiration and the possibilities to flourish within let's talk about imagining this is bringing open arms to the givingness of the universe, uh, and, and saying, I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to think beyond what I have accepted. I'm ready to raise the bar of what's possible for me in my own mind and in my own heart and let it unfold. Imagining is one of the greatest capacities of our spiritual beingness, of our conscious awareness. So powerful. An illustration I so love is <clears throat> that of uh, country singer Tammy Wynette, she grew up in abject poverty, dirt poor. They, <clears throat> they didn't even have electricity or, or uh, running water in her home, and she had to work very, very hard. Uh, they were at a subsistence level, barely. Later in her life, an interviewer asked her, what kept you alive when you were working in the fields, Tammy? And she said, my dreams. My dreams. We didn't have anything, but I had my dreams. And I'd go to bed at night and put on an old Hank Williams record record, No One Will Ever Know, and that's my favorite song of his, and I'd play it over and over, and I'd finally drift off to sleep. I'd dream that I was in Nashville working someplace and singing and everyone liking me. Well, she got married at age 14, began having babies. She married an alcoholic, abusive man, and finally, after a number of years of that, she'd had enough. And one early morning, she packed up what little she had and packed up her kids and announced that she was leaving. And her husband kind of stirred from his stupor. And he said, oh, you're going to be a hillbilly singer, huh? And Tammy said, I guess I'm going to try. And he said, well, dream on, baby, dream on. And she did. (laughs) And that was the very last time she ever saw him. Imagine. First, we have to be willing to admit that there's more that we could understand and know. Ernest Holmes said, You exist that divine feeling, fire, and imagination, and creativity may be expressed through you. Be yourself and express life as you find it. Never imitate. Trust yourself. Find yourself in God and God in the self. Imagining. About 21 years ago, uh, I was involved in a group of about a dozen spiritual leaders, ministers in New Thought here, uh, along with a wonderful lady, Barbara Marks Hubbard, a futurist, and we had tried to uh, reinvigorate an existing organization, but uh, that wasn't uh, working. So we left that organization and founded a new one called the Association for Global New Thought. And I'll never forget 21 years ago when we all came from our various parts of the country, all very successful uh, leaders, and... We met in a um, meeting room in a Los Angeles hotel. And after some prayer and meditation, we put a flip chart up. And we just started asking, what are our dreams for what we can do? What can we imagine this new association we've created doing? And we, just, we started writing things down. We wanted to put new thought on the map and, and create alliances with leading-edge organizations. <clears throat> we declared that we wanted to create an international program for peace. We wanted to present at the United Nations. We, we started putting bold things up there. We said we want to be recognized by the parliament of the world's religions as a world religion and present at their parliaments. We, we put up there that we wanted to work with, with uh, spiritual, great spiritual leaders and change agents, including the Dalai Lama. And we put up there we wanted to create renowned conferences and events. Wonderful dreams. Within ten years after that, we'd accomplished every single one of them. We'd put New Thought on the map. We'd aligned with organizations like the Institute of Noetic Sciences. We'd created the Season for Nonviolence along with the grandson of Mahatma Gandhi, Arun Gandhi. Uh, We had presented and launched it twice at the United Nations. We had indeed become recognized as a world religion by the parliament and presented at the last three. We'd done three major intensive events with the Dalai Lama and many conferences and events... We had to imagine it. And it happened so quickly that we were then pressed to imagine even more. So I ask you, have you imagined your greater yet to be? It starts with imagining, but you can't stop there. The second step is accepting. And that's where you tell that voice within you that your imaginings are pipe dreams. And you tell them, no, they're seeds. They're creative seeds. And they have a life within them. And I'm taking them into my heart. Because the inspiration of spirit is calling me. And I want to accept this. I want to accept this good. Dr. Holmes, in one line, says something so powerful The mold of our acceptance is the measure of our experience. Our acceptance is like a mold. You can have a small mold and it creates something small, or a big mold. The mold of our acceptance is the measure of our experience. Let's put the mold of my acceptance is the measure of my experience. Together, the mold of my acceptance is the measure of my experience. I remember reading about a a landscaper who had a few clients and was kind of doing all right. But he was very talented and he was approached by a very wealthy man who had an enormous estate, uh, many, many acres. And and the man wanted uh, to hire him as his full-time landscaper gardener. And so the, the, the wealthy man asked him, what is your dream of how good this job could be? And the landscaper said, well, I'm going to have to go think about that. <clears throat> so he went home that night and he made a list. And he let it percolate a little bit. And about a week later he read it and he said, oh, no, no. I, I, I see there could be more. And so he increased the salary and the, the equipment and the, the working conditions. And he let that sit around. And then a couple of weeks later, he looked at it and he said he could think of even better. And so this went on for a couple of months. And finally, he felt satisfied that he had written down that which would be his ideal job in his mind and his heart. And so he took this list uh, to the wealthy individual and he handed it to him and the man read it over and he paused and he then said, sounds great to me. And that landscaper stepped into that greater possibility. But what he really taught himself was he could have settled for a whole lot less along the way. And that his biggest job was to grow his acceptance to greater levels. And that's what the universe is asking us to do. To know that we do resist our greatness. We do resist our abundance. So we have to work on our acceptance. And our giving, our receiving and our giving. We have to work on both ends of that scale. Imagining it, and then working to accept it with feeling and conviction. And then finally, the third step is magnetizing. This is standing in the truth of who we really are. And it's knowing that we don't have to force things. We don't have to make things happen in this work that we do. Instead, we get that new idea we've imagined. We embrace it in our feeling and in our gratitude and we rehearse it and we move it to deeper and deeper levels of conviction and believing and then we live it and then we find that we become a magnet that attracts the right ideas, the right situations, the right resolutions, the greater good that we desire. Eric Butterworth, a great metaphysician, said, you are a living magnet Constantly drawing to you the things, the people, and the circumstances which are in accord with your thoughts. A long time ago, when Ernest was still leading our movement, uh, I'm told that there was going to be a, a great gala at our headquarters in Los Angeles at the time. A great gala, uh, and people from around the country were coming to this event. And the day of the event had arrived, and the staff... At the headquarters was in a great uh, flurry of commotion but mostly of anxiety and upset because a heating and air unit a major heating and air unit had gone out wasn't working and this was going to make the event uncomfortable that was going to occur that very night and so they were talking and upset and they'd even called in a company and the company wasn't uh, sure it knew how to fix the situation and everybody was upset and and the story is that dr. Holmes came wandering down the hallway and he said, what's going on? And, and one of the staff members said, well, Dr. Holmes, um, the thing is, we have a problem. Uh, the heating and air unit isn't working, and we haven't been able to figure out what's going on. And uh, we haven't said anything to you because we didn't want to bother you with this, but it, it threatens to um, make our event tonight unsuccessful, and we don't know what to do. <clears throat> and the story is that Dr. Holmes nodded and got very still and then he got very declarative and he said god you gave me the idea for science mind and spirit god you gave me the idea for this ministry and everything is going very well so therefore i need only say one thing god this is ernest holmes Need I say more? (laughs) And evidently, there was a ripple of energy from that. (laughs) Later on in the day, the situation was resolved. The event was great. But I cherish that. Eventually, when we have imagined and accepted our good, that's basically what we do. We just say, God, this is me. Need I say more? You don't got to plead. The divine's already given it. We just got to open and accept, imagine and accept. God, this is your name. Need I say more? Together? God, this is Roger Teal. Need I say more? How'd that feel? Let's do it again. God, this is. Need I say more? God, this is your child made in your image and your likeness. God, this is your embodiment of love. God, this is your creative energy. God, this is your imagination calling forth greater life. I don't need to add anything to that. I need to get myself out of the way and let it happen. God, this is me. Need I say more? That's what this teaching gives you. So I ask you once again, what is it you plan to do with your one wild? And precious life. I'll let this teaching lead you to your unlimited possibilities. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720 230 1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.